Well, I am very happy to have this morning uh, the very first niece I ever had. In fact, uh, she was the very first grandchild for my parents, uh, my niece Esther. Uh, she, is, she is a maniac, which is to say she is from Maine, as am I, by the way. Um, but I, you know, I've, I've put up here, and I, I don't have all that in front of me. So, you know, Esther, I can't really tell what you're doing because I can't remember things anymore. <laughs> but Esther is a, she's, she is a, um, her, she and her husband, her husband, Scott, is uh, an executive pastor at um, Open Door, Church of the Open Door in Hamden, Maine. And uh, they, uh, together, Scott is an entrepreneur. She is an entrepreneur. She has started her own business. She has, she is, in fact, as of a week and a half, two weeks ago, she is an award-winning podcaster. So, and, and won two awards for at the very first ever Christian podcast conference that was held in Houston uh, a couple of weeks ago. And so... Uh, she comes back with those awards. Her head is no bigger than it used to be. I know her. Trust me. Uh, she has enough in life to keep her humble. But uh, nonetheless, in fact, how many of you happen to know, I'm just curious, what a podcast is? Oh, you do. All right. You don't know. It is like a radio program for the Internet, basically. Essentially is what it is. It can be however long. You're not limited to the radio time. Uh, that you have. You can be however long. So it is at your website, right? EstherLittlefield.com. All right. Esther Littlefield. Oh, we had that website up uh, on her slide before. If you don't know what it is, you don't have to go through iTunes. You don't have to go through some platform that you're just not familiar with. You can go to that website and you can listen to it. Now, if, how many of you have phones this morning or some device in your hand? You do. Okay. So you can type this out, write it down. I'm not going to ask you to go there now. I don't want to hear all of a sudden now her podcast <laughs> starts playing. Now's not the time, all right? But estherlittlefield.com, you can listen to her podcast. Um, and it, it varies in terms of uh, the various topics that they're dealing with. Uh, her heart is to help uh, other podcasters, but also Christian women in leadership. And so it is designed around really just helping and encouraging and motivating and so on. So, uh, but more than that, I'm proud to call her family. And she is, as I mentioned, so today my mother's oldest grandchild and youngest grandchild are actually sitting next to each other right now. <laughs> so, um, but I, I am happy to have Esther. She's going to just share her heart today. I said, do whatever you want to do. Say whatever you want to say. Uh, but she's going to come and just um, share what the Lord has placed on her heart. Would you give her a warm praise tabernacle welcome? Thank you, Uncle Brent. So um, when Uncle Brent asked me to speak here, I was a little unsure if I could do it because I'm speaking at an event tomorrow at a business event, and I was just at another event, and I was like, oh, and so I messaged him earlier in the week, and I was like, you know, I think, I think I'm going to have to say no, and he's like, oh, I've already announced you as the speaker, so, <laughs> so I was like, well, okay, well, what can I do because I don't have a Bible degree. I'm not a, a preacher. 
Um, I'm a pastor's wife, and you know, I just have a heart for for sharing sharing Jesus with other people. Um, but he said, just share your story, just share your testimony. I was like, okay, I can do that. That's something I can do. Um, so that's what I'm going to do this morning. I hope it'll be an encouragement to you. I'm going to share about a time in my life where I really had to question everything. Um, I, I questioned whether God was good and whether he was even there. And so that could be someone here today. You might be having that question. So I want to hopefully share about how I got through that circumstance and um, a little bit about what came after that. So um, just as background, I grew up in a Christian home. Uh, both of my parents came from ministry families. You know, you know, uh, my grandparents were pastors and my other grandparents were missionaries in other countries around the world. So I knew about God from the minute I was born. And I don't ever remember not believing in Jesus. I just, like, I don't remember a time where I prayed the prayer. I just always believed. That was just kind of my life. We went to church every time it was open, and uh, that was that was what I knew. Uh, we did have some challenges in my family. We did move a lot, and my parents' marriage was not perfect by any means, so there was definitely some challenges in my younger years, but um, for the most part, I knew I was loved. I knew God was there, and, and things were good. So it was eighth grade that was really a pivotal year for me. I was 13. We had finally settled down into our first home, which was a mobile home on a rented lot. But that was our home, and I was happy to have a place where we weren't going to be moving every couple years anymore. And I had started at a new school. I had made friends. I was starting to come out of my shell. I never would speak to anyone unless they spoke to me. In my younger years, I was super shy. Never could have dreamed being in front of people speaking. <laughs> that was deathly, deathly uh, afraid of that. Um, but so uh, things were good. And eighth grade, uh, I, like I said, was making friends, new school. Uh, my mom was working. My dad was working. We were, we were good. And so it was April of 1994, my eighth grade year, when really everything changed. So um, my dad was a very adventurous person. He had <laughs> lots of adventure spirit. And one day on a Saturday morning, it was a beautiful day. We headed, my sister and I and my dad, we headed to the school baseball field because there was a game going on. And we met up with my friends there and we were all just watching the games. Eventually we figured out whoever was going to win. I don't remember who, but somebody was winning by a lot. So we were like getting bored. It was getting boring to watch that game. So we decided to head out and go to our house and have some of my friends come with me. And we decided to take some back roads. So my dad had this white Jeep Wrangler and a bunch of us piled in. It was crazy how many of us fit in that vehicle and we went out onto some back roads and like I said my dad was adventurous so he allowed my two two of my friends to drive the jeep and we were on a dirt road in the backwoods of Maine no one was around and he was just letting these these two kids drive the jeep and we were in eighth grade again so nobody had their licenses <laughs> um, but one of my friends started driving and uh, he lost control of the jeep and my dad was on the back of the Jeep uh, holding on to the roll bars. And so he had been holding on and the, the Jeep started swerving through the road and he fell off and hit the ground. And we heard a thud and somebody yelled, Mr. Pierre fell. And so my friend stopped as soon as he could get control and stop the vehicle. And we ran back to my dad who was laying on the ground, blood coming out of his ear and unconscious. Um, so we freaked out, obviously, started running. Some of us ran one way, some of us ran another way. My, my younger sister was there, and my friends tried to perform CPR on my dad. 
and this was before cell phones. Nobody had cell phones back then. This is a long time ago for you young folk. Uh, <laughs> we had to run to find a house to call 911. And so we did, we, the ambulance came, took my dad to the hospital. It's all kind of a blur. The next 24 hours is very much a blur for me. Uh, it, I just knew that this was just crazy. Like I didn't, I didn't ever anticipate something like this happening. And I remember sitting in the hospital thinking, you know what? God's going to heal him. I mean, he's going to be fine. He, he's, we're going to go home. He's going to be home and we're going to be good. And um, the next day, he was gone. So, you know, he was completely, they, they couldn't save him. And um, so that really <laughs> changed the trajectory of my life. Uh, I now had to question everything I ever believed. Um, you know, my faith that I had always taken for granted up to that point was now something that I didn't know if I could actually believe in. I mean, if God was there, why would he take my dad from me? Um, you know, if he was there, is he actually a good God? Does he actually care about me? These were the questions I had. Uh, I wondered if God had forsaken me, if he had forgotten about us, about our family. Uh, and again, why would, he, why would he take my father from me? That was the question. Why couldn't he have done a miracle? I mean, he could have. He could have saved him, right? He could have saved him, healed him, whatever. Um, so I had to question all of those things, and I had to wonder, am I going to actually continue believing what I've been taught, what I always took for granted, that God was good, that God was there, or was I going to re just reject it and say, whatever, this is not true. I can get through life on my own. I don't need this God, whatever he is, uh, or turn to something else, turn to some other form of religion or something like that. So really the days and weeks and months after his death were the, the times where I was um, obviously grieving. Our, our family was going through all the grief, but also uh, wrestling with what I thought I believed or what I had, had believed up to that point. And so, um, you know, what I found, though, was that experiences I don't believe can be the foundation of our beliefs, but experiences can either confirm or deny the truth of, of what we believe. And so over the following months, I had the broad range of emotions that anyone has when you experience loss, you know, the extreme grief, the anger, the suffering, all of that. But I also experienced comfort and peace. And the comfort and peace that can't be explained by anything other than, than God. Um, you know, I, I felt like my world was falling apart because it was. And um, it didn't make sense, though. When I look back, it doesn't make sense, some of the things that happened. For example, two months after he passed away, um, I stood up and gave a speech at my eighth grade graduation in front of hundreds of people. And again, like I said, I was uh, not a public speaker at that point in my life. Um, I'm pretty sure I was shaking the entire time. Um, and I don't ever want to hear that speech, but uh, <laughs> it, it, it happened. And it was a, an opportunity to, to show God's goodness during that time. Um, and I really, like I said, I have no explanation for that, no, no human explanation for any reason that I could have been able to do that. Uh, we had a lot of friends and family that supported us during that time. I also had a lot of friends and family who said the most stupid things that you could say. And if you've ever been through grief and loss, you know people sometimes say things that aren't very helpful <laughs> during that time. Um, and I experienced a lot of that. But again, the only explanation for me for getting through that season is, is 
the grace of God. Um, you know, later on, I think in my high school years and college years, I would wrestle with some of the more intellectual questions of my faith and figure out what I actually believed, you know, um, and I think all of us should do that at some point, but I, I can always point to that, the fact that God was with me during that season um, and the most tragic experience of my life. And he was faithful to me even during some of my high school years. I, I appeared to be the good girl on the outside, but I it didn't always follow, follow what I knew was right. Um, and he was still faithful to me during that time. So what I want to share, though, a little bit is about the question of why, because I think even just hearing this morning some of the things that um, you all might be experiencing, we, we sometimes wrestle with this question of why, and we, I, I feel very strongly <laughs> that it's okay to ask God why, and I have some scripture to back me up, so I'm not just saying that. Uh, but I think sometimes in Christian circles, we're told that we shouldn't question God and that we shouldn't ask why. Well, I don't think that's true, so hopefully you haven't preached that, Uncle Brent. <laughs> Because I'm going against you if that's the case. Um, but let's look at, if you have, your, if you have a Bible with you, uh, you can pull it out. If not, I'm just going to read it. It's Psalm 22, verse 1. Uh, this is David writing, and he says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? So David, in the midst of his despair, was asking God, Why aren't you listening to me? Why aren't you there? I feel forsaken. Okay, and then we see the same thing when Jesus is hanging on the cross, dying for our sins. He says the same thing. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus himself, the son of God, felt forsaken by his father. So I'm pretty sure that if Jesus can ask the question, God can handle us asking the same question, right? And, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that happen in this world that don't make sense. And even now, it's been 26 years, it'll be 26 years in April um, that that accident happened. I still can't really tell you why my dad had to die. I can explain the fact that probably he shouldn't have let my friend drive the vehicle. That wasn't a good choice. Uh, you know, but why he actually had to die, why God didn't save him, I don't have an answer for that. Um, but there's a passage of scripture that, that has helped me to deal with this question. So again, um, we'll look at John 9, chapter 9, verses 1 through 3. If you want to turn there, <clears throat> take a drink of water. So this says, um, as he went along, he saw a blind man from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. So again, the disciples here are basically asking why. Why is this man blind? Why has this bad thing happened to this seemingly innocent person? Uh, and a lot of times we're looking for the blame. We're looking for the fault. We're looking for who's at blame, you know, for this, this tragic circumstance. Um, but there's an interesting th thing that happens after the question why in some of these scriptures. So I think this helps us to figure out what to do with our question after we question God, what comes next. Um, and what we see in that passage and in some of the other passages is trust. So Jesus asked, why have you forsaken me? 
But then after that, the next thing Jesus said on the cross is, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. So he trusted God with the outcome of his circumstance, even though he didn't understand what was happening. I mean, he probably did understand, but, you know, he still felt it. Like, even we can understand intellectually something. We can understand that God's in control, but we still feel forsaken. So then in, in Psalm 22, I'm going to flip back there again to Psalm 22. Again, he's asking God why. He's saying, why have you forsaken me? Then the next verses say, yet you, and this is verse 3 through 5, <clears throat> yet you are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. In you our fathers trusted. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. So again, he's, he's questioning, but then he's pointing to trust. He's pointing to the fact that he knows God has been trustworthy in the past, so he's going to keep being trustworthy in the future. And then the blind man, we can look back at John 9 again, and I'm not going to read it, but if you, if you read verses 6 and 7, you can see that, you know, after they're asking, the disciples are asking Jesus, why is this guy blind? Jesus then made mud with his own saliva, sounds appealing, put it on the man's eyes, and then told them to go wash in a pool. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds a little crazy. Um, maybe that was a more common thing back then, but it's, you know, sometimes the stuff that God asks us to do sounds a little bit foolish, but the man trusted Jesus, and he went and did it, and then he was not blind anymore. So, you know, he, he implemented trust. David pointed to trust. Jesus trusted God. So I think this helps us to know what to do with our questions. We can question God, but then we also need to look to his faithfulness and know that he is going to be faithful in the future. Um, and in my circumstance, God chose not to heal my father. So, you know, and about a year later, another man from our church got into a serious car accident. He was standing on the side of the highway, um, fixing something on his truck. Another vehicle hit him. He should have died. He's walking today. And, you know, that actually shook me when that happened because I was like, why did God heal him and not my dad? That's not fair. Um, and then my 14-year-old friend, uh, almost a year after my dad passed away, was in a snowmobile accident and died on, on impact. Um, again, he didn't heal her. And her family still misses her today. And so there's times when God... We, we don't know why he chooses to heal some people and not others, right? And we, we know he can, but it doesn't always happen. But we look at that story in John, and we can see that there's a purpose to these things. Um, at the end of, I forget what verse it is, but at the end of that passage, it says, so that the work of God might be displayed in his life, yeah. right? So even when circumstances don't go the way that we wanted or hoped, God can still be glorified. People can still see his hand at work, whether it's just that he walked through us, through the, the journey with us, and they can see his faithfulness, or that somebody was healed, either way. Um, you know, and I don't think that, that that verse means that God caused that man to be blind, but I think that it means that people could see God's work in his life as a result of what he did. So... <clears throat> going to make sure I'm on track with my notes, going a little off track. So I think that if we could get the answers to all of our questions that we have, we wouldn't need faith. 
right? If, it, if I knew exactly why God chose to take my father, I wouldn't really need to have that faith. Um, if everything made sense 100% of the time, I wouldn't need to trust God because I'd be like, all right, I got this. I'm good. So I, like I said, I still can't explain exactly why that accident happened in my family, but I know that God has used that circumstance and tragedies uh, in my life, other circumstances, to display his work and, his, and to bring glory to him, and that he has brought even better things than I could even imagine in, in other places in my life. Um, so, you know, that turning point in my life forced me to choose whether I was going to rely on myself or rely on God. And I am constantly actually having to learn that lesson. I keep trying to go back to relying on myself uh, because I think a lot of times, you know, I, I just think, okay, I can figure this out. I can, I can make the plan. I can get all the things set up in my life so that I can be successful or these things can happen. And then God will throw in a, a curveball and I'll be like, oh yeah, reminder, I still need you. <laughs> so it's, it's a constant, you know, my hope is to continually every single day surrender and say, I trust you and not myself. Um, you know, and I don't know how my life would be different if my dad was still here. I don't know. Um, but I, I know that that was a circumstance where I felt forsaken and forgotten. And there's been other circumstances where I felt that way. Um, this is just one story <laughs> uh, that I can share. There's other stories that I'm not going to share, but a couple examples when my marriage was, was not doing well and I was married to a youth pastor and we weren't sure if we were going to make it. Um, when my, when I, I have one daughter and there's been a few times where I've thought, you know what, I'm not really cut out for this whole motherhood thing. I don't think I can manage this. And God, you, you chose the wrong person, um, for this child. Uh, <laughs> I've actually felt that. And if you're a mom or a dad in this room, you probably can relate. I've figured out it's not just me. Um, yeah. <laughs> And then a more recent circumstance is when I have had a close friend, a very close friend, um, just walk away from following Jesus. And these, these circumstances don't make sense. Sometimes it doesn't make sense and it's hard. Um, but what I know is that he has always been faithful. And um, that's, that's just what I hold on to. So the times that I know in the future I'm going to face other situations that I'm not anticipating right now um, because God never promised this life to be easy. He actually said, in this world, you will have trouble. <laughs> so we want to think about the promises of God. That's one of them. We don't like to talk about that one. But it's, it's a promise. So, you know, what I, what I want you to do this morning is just to know that my hope is that in the questioning that you will choose to trust and from the difficult circumstances that you will know that God's, God's glory can be seen. And you can be a light to other people in your life, in your family, in your work, wherever you are. Other people can see God working in your life if you, if you choose to let him. So I'm going to wrap up. Um, and I want to give you three things to think about as we close. So... If you're currently walking through a season of devastation or loss or you feel abandoned or forsaken, I just want to encourage you to turn to God rather than yourself or other things. And to seek God, also seek the community of believers that you have. 
they they will hold you up during that time. That was a big thing for me was having that community of people to turn to. God doesn't want us to walk this journey alone. And when we are hurting, the worst thing we can do is isolate ourselves and and turn <laughs> turn away from our community and from Him. And then know it's okay to ask why, but choose to not stay there forever. Choose to to trust even when you're asking the questions. All right, so that's number one. Number two is maybe you have resonated with my experience of taking your faith for granted. If you're someone who kind of has not had a horrible, tragic experience yet in your life, yet, (laughs) Um, I would just want to encourage you to wrestle with your faith and figure out what you truly believe and also be able to know why you believe it. Because then when the circumstances come, it'll be a lot harder for for Satan to draw you away uh, from Jesus because you will know, no, this this is what I believe and this is why I believe it. And it's not just based on what someone else taught me. It's based on truth that I can rely on. And then the third one, and this may be nobody in this room or it may be somebody, but if you've never chosen to commit your life to Jesus and to say, you know what, I want to follow Jesus, Um, I want to put my trust in you, and I want to experience that peace, because he's the only way that we can have true peace in this life and through the hard circumstances, then I just want to encourage you to make that decision today and follow him. Um, It's the best thing I've ever done. It's the only reason I'm standing here today. And uh, it's truly life-changing. So that's my story. And thank you for allowing me to share. And I'm going to turn it back over to Uncle Brent. Praise God. Let's stand to our feet this morning. Somebody here needed to hear this. Um, and I, when, when Esther, I, of course, I, I, I know her story, at least parts of the story. Um, and certainly I remember that day that we got news, uh, about her dad and, um, somebody here, I know today you needed to hear what she had to say because you're wrestling with some of the very same questions. Um, I, I once, uh, I don't know if anybody has ever encountered this book years ago. I somebody, I don't know where I found it. I, and I was, as I was reading it by Philip Yancey, uh, he, it was called Disappointment with God. And as I was reading it, uh, he said something I'll never, never forget. He said, you're questioning why today about the difficulty that you're going through. And he said, if God were to really give you the answer to that, would you be satisfied with it? And you know what? Many of us, we, we wrestle with that, that question of why. Why are we going through this and that and the other? And sometimes God, I think, doesn't tell us because he's shielding us in many ways. But the bottom line is, is put your hope in God. David asked himself that same question one time. He said, why are you so downcast, oh, my soul? Put your hope in God. Reorient your vision, reorient your focus, and put it on the Lord. And if you're here today and you need a touch from the Lord, you need God to just minister to you in some way based on what you've heard today. I want you to just put your hand up right now, but leave it up and say, Lord, I need you right now more than ever before. 
Maybe I've been questioning, but God, I'm going to trust in you. In my questioning, I don't have the answer, but I'm going to trust in you. Heavenly Father, today I thank you. I thank you, Lord, for the twists and the turns of our lives, Lord, that we don't have answers for, that we can't figure out. Lord, those things, oh God, that we cannot nail down as to why things happen the way that they have. But God, today our hope is in you. I thank you for this this word that Esther has given to us today, this encouragement, oh God, to in spite of the fact that we don't have the answer to it, Lord, we can look up and we can find in you, Lord, that help and that hope and that peace and that comfort. Father, I pray for your people today, oh God, that as they're going through these times of difficulty and affliction, these moments in their lives where they don't understand why things have happened the way that they have, God, I pray that they would trust you with an undying trust because you are a good God. And Lord, you know, as your word tells us, you know the end from the beginning, something that we cannot see, but you can see, oh God. And I pray that today you would encourage your people people, oh God. Give them the strength that they need, Lord, to face these times of difficulty and these hours of questions, oh God, and these things, Lord, that weigh upon us each and every day. You know those here in this congregation who have experienced loss and heartbreak, oh God, some so recently, oh God. I pray that you would undergird them and uphold them, and Lord, give them the strength, oh God, the hours of their pain and their sorrow, and their frustration, and their anger, and all of those things that, God, you're not unfamiliar with, and you don't don't condemn us for it, but, Lord, you simply walk beside us, hold our hands, and, and bring peace and comfort in our trouble. God, I thank you today, and, God, we're going to give you the glory and the honor today for all that you have done, all that you're going to do. In the wonderful and precious name of Jesus, Father, I pray for Esther and for Scott and for Kirsten. God, we pray that you would surround their family. I pray, oh God, that you would uphold. I pray that you would protect Esther as she travels. God, just watch over them. Touch Scott even this weekend, Lord, as he's not feeling well. Minister to him. And Lord, we pray for Kirsten that you would minister to her young, tender heart. I pray that you would just surround them, oh God, and protect them from the enemy. But God, I pray that in everything, Lord, I pray that we would do what your word tells us to do, and that is in everything to give you thanks, oh God. Father, lead and guide and direct their steps, O Lord. You know what the future holds. And Lord, I pray that as they take steps, may they be steps of faith and trusting in you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you today in the wonderful and the precious name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Praise God. I I want to, and I I forgot to announce this earlier, I want to just mentioned to you uh, on March the 22nd, uh, Brother Williams is going to be delivering the word of the Lord to us, and I'm grateful uh, for this man, grateful for his ministry, his heart, and uh, so he's going he's gonna to bring it home to you uh, on the 22nd. We're going to be away uh, that Sunday, so I want you to be here. You don't be away. You come. You, you be here to support him and support those who are leading in worship and just Give of yourself to the Lord. This is, you know, this place is not about a personality. You know that, right? This, this has nothing to do. Uh, personalities often get even bigger, you know, uh, situations. This ain't about a personality. This is about Jesus. 
So you come for that. But uh, I am grateful today, just want to say I'm grateful for Esther, for what she's shared with you. And uh, just to let you know the impact her dad had on my life, uh, he made me a Steelers fan for life. <laughs> he really did. He did. And, and by extension now, my kids are Steelers fans. Um, so he, he really did. A Pittsburgh, I'm from New England. I'm supposed to be a Patriots fan. Uh, for the, all you Bears fans here today, I'm not a Patriots fan. You know, Tom Brady, he deflated the balls. Uh, but at any rate, I, I am, uh, but I'm, I'm grateful uh, for what she shared today. I think all of us needed to hear this. Amen. Turn and greet one another before you leave this place today. God bless you.